The first one, William Arthur Ward wrote, Gratitude can transform common days into thanksgivings, turn routine jobs into joy, and change ordinary opportunities into blessings. Oprah Winfrey said, Be thankful for what you have, or you'll end up ha you will end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. Henry David Thoreau, I am grateful for what I am and have. My thanksgiving, therefore, is perpetual. Clement Stone says, if you are really thankful, what do you do? The punchline is? You share. Thank you. Even though we're still five days away from Thanksgiving, Richard Roper tells us it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Decorations <laughs> already up. Gratitude is the inward feeling of kindness received. Thankfulness is the natural impulse to express that feeling. Anonymous. Nigel Hamilton wrote, Thanksgiving is a time of both togetherness and gratitude. Irma Bombeck. Thanksgiving dinners take 18 hours to prepare. They are consumed in 12 minutes. Half times of football games also take 12 minutes. This is not a coincidence. Charles Spurgeon, I think that it is a better thing than Thanksgiving is thanks living. How is this to be done? By promoting a general cheerfulness every day. This is by Amy Grant. Thanksgiving Day is a good day to recommit our energies to giving thanks and just giving. A fellow by the name of Bill Gates. You may have heard of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. They have to do with buying things. There's another day you might want to know about. Giving Tuesday. Next Tuesday. The idea is pretty straightforward. On the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, shoppers take a break from their gift buying and donate what they can to charity. This is by um, Jim Davis. Vegetables are a must on a diet. I suggest carrot cake, zucchini bread, and pumpkin pie. Great vegetables. That's by the um, creator of the Garfield cartoon series. O. Henry said, there is one day that is ours. Thanksgiving Day is the one day that is purely an American invention. This next one is by Marcus Samuelson. I love Thanksgiving because it's a holiday that it is centered around food and family, two things that are of utmost importance to me. William Blake, the British poet, the thankful receiver bears a plentiful harvest. This is by Frank Clark. If a fellow isn't thankful for what he's got, he isn't likely to be thankful for what he's going to get. Mary Lou Henner, the TV star who has an eidetic memory, literally remembers every detail of every day that she's ever lived since she was about four years old, wrote these words. It is now common knowledge that the average American will gain seven pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. Work hard to make that untrue. <laughs> or enjoy the trueness of it. 
To give thanks in solitude is enough. Thanksgiving has wings and goes where it must go. Your prayer knows much more about it than you do, by Victor Hugo. Regina Brett wrote some words for us to think about. If no one shopped on Thanksgiving Day, the stores wouldn't open. End of story. I say we all take that pledge and just stay home. Thanksgiving should be a day to give thanks for what you have not a motivator to go out and save a few dollars to get more stuff. Something to ponder. Thank you, Glenda. So Thanksgiving is around the corner. Four days from midnight. For most of us, this uniquely American holiday, as O. Henry said, is officially celebrated for the last 150 years or so since Abraham Lincoln promoted it. But it goes back quite a bit further. Here's the words with which the first Thanksgiving was really started. Welcome. Welcome, Englishmen. However improbable, these were the first words the pilgrims heard from a Native American. Contemporary accounts describe a man of seemly carriage boldly striding into the pilgrims camp on March 16, 1621. This man was Samoset, the Sagamore, or chief of the Abenaki tribe. Many Thanksgiving accounts don't even mention him, focusing instead on Squanto, a member of the Patuxet tribe who had been taken away from the American continent to Britain as a servant and had returned soon after with the pilgrims. Squanto led the pilgrims um, to the area where they were going to be because of his familiarity with that area. He was, Squanto spoke better English than Samoset, the chief. And Squanto negotiated the peace treaties with the neighboring tribes and taught the pilgrims to cultivate, collect, and catch the food that sustained them. Just in this way, supplying the requirements for the Thanksgiving holiday we are observing this month. But without Samoset, there would have been no Squanto. If there had been no Squanto, the pilgrims would not have survived. And if there had been no pilgrims, we would not be able to refer back to that occasion of the pilgrims being with the natives to celebrate Thanksgiving. There's an area, an entertainment and historical area near Plymouth, Massachusetts, where Nina and I lived with our with our friends and the church members for nine years. And it's called Plymouth Plantation. And they have a, a recreation of this historic occasion of November uh, sometime in uh, 1621. There was a whole mythos or mythos built around this idea of Thanksgiving. Obviously, we know historically that uh, the first English settlement was not in Plymouth, but rather in Virginia. Everybody knows this, especially people who went to school in Virginia. They've been told over and over again, celebrate your own heritage and not those Massachusetts people. <laughs> but the, revel the recent evolution of this holiday can tell us something about what 
we believe and what we think about Thanksgiving and what our expectations have been and are becoming over time. That selection I just read to you is from the president of the Texas Bar Association, of which I am still an inactive member. He was trying to tell us that we ought to be thankful for certain things going on with the Bar Association in Texas. And when I read that selection of historical background, I said, well, that's appropriate for starting a sermon. But as we know, Thanksgiving is built around the idea of feasting. How we might try to consume as much food as we possibly can that we wouldn't consider allowing ourselves to consume on an ordinary day. For most of us, it is the primary feast of the year, one that we plan for weeks. But Thanksgiving also used to be a day of reflection and rest, except for those who had to work to prepare the meals. Now it is also an occasion for people who work in retail to have to work overtime hours, to come in afternoon or after 6 p.m. or sometimes at midnight on Thanksgiving night so that there's this gluttony of, of materialism. And we know that the idea of a holiday centered around three things, what we eat, where we eat, and with whom we eat, is not fulfilling us completely because we have this hunger to go out and consume in other ways. But what other day would it be expected that each family unit should cook a big bird weighing 10 or 12 or 18 or 20 pounds because we're trying to get together a larger crowd than usual? And, you know, the, the worst sin of the hostess or host is to not have any leftovers. You've got to have more food than anybody could possibly eat so that you can have leftovers or else you haven't been generous enough. What other day would we think it would be normal to consume three or four different kinds of dessert after eating a huge entree? And because it is commonly expected that travel must be completed in time for us to return to regular work schedules on Monday morning after Thanksgiving, the weekend around Thanksgiving usually includes the highest volume of travel for airline passengers and driving on the interstates. All of this is sort of feels like expectations that are unfair, that are excessive. I remember the first Thanksgiving I spent away from family, by myself, literally, with no family and no friends. I was 17 in my first year of college in Houston, away from home. And I thought it was an unnecessary waste of money and waste of time to spend $50 to fly home from Houston to Atlanta and back within the, the short time of four days between classes ending and my, the expectation that I would be back in Houston on Sunday night. That just didn't seem like it was worth it. And, of course, part of the context of 49 years ago was that it had only been three months earlier that, that, that I, as a farm boy, had spent $50 of my own money to buy my first ticket on an airplane to go to a school from Atlanta to Houston to a school that I'd never seen in a city and a state I had never visited. Travel back then, for me, in my context, especially by airplane, was a different experience. I owned a car, but I was expected to leave that car for my sister to drive. 
because freshmen weren't allowed to have cars. So the only way for me to get there was by Greyhound bus or by airplane. And it seemed to be a luxury to spend that money. If I'd had a car, gas was only 25 cents a gallon, so that would have been easy, that cheap, to drive the 800 miles. But the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I made my usual collect call to my parents to tell them that I had decided that I wasn't coming home for Thanksgiving. Now, as a parent myself, I could, I could imagine, I could have compassion for their position that their, their, uh, their emotions may have been mixed about that. They may have been terribly disappointed. But because of who I was and how far it was, it didn't seem right to me. But my expectations about what I would do on that holiday were very low, but they were still unrealistically high. I was planning to study, to catch up on required reading, and do other homework before the final exams, which would be a couple of weeks later. I knew that if I went home for the holiday, I wouldn't get anything done at all. And I was a little insecure. It was a very competitive college environment. And I still had two younger siblings at home. So maybe my illusion was that I believed my family of origin would not really suffer from my absence. They had plenty of people there. But more importantly, that year was a time of my own declaration of independence from my family of origin, of asserting myself as an individual, starting over with a new identity in a new environment. So all alone, I may do with my clock radio that I spent $30 on, a hot plate that I'd spent $5 on, and a coffee maker that I think I spent $3 on. My menu plan included a few snacks and several small meals from a local diner and the KFC that wasn't too far away. I walked across a vast expanse of a barren parking lot with the wind feeling like this today. But it seemed like I was making a statement that I didn't need to be with family, that I didn't need that community, and I certainly didn't need the ham or roast beef or turkey that was going to be served in my home, my parents' home. It was exceptionally quiet, as I remember, so I did get a lot of reading done. But the eerie emptiness all around the campus on that Thursday and Friday, and even Saturday, was actually very hard for me to endure. I felt really alone. I believe Nina may have made similar decisions in her first couple of college years. It didn't make sense to spend the scarce resources from her family to make trips from Austin, Texas, to Georgia for being with her family. And they sure had plenty of people around with nine siblings. She was not really probably missed much. Or maybe she was. But unlike me, I think, I think Nina actually had friends who invited her to celebrate the holiday with them. I don't think she was ever alone. As a matter of fact, she hardly ever slept alone because her roommate and she put their beds together so that they would feel like they were home with their siblings since they had always shared beds with siblings in their large Catholic families. But my heart went out to both Nina and our son when he made a similar decision 
after he left college to take a professional software job in Boston at age 18. It just didn't make sense to him to use two perfectly good work days to fly across the country from Boston to California for a single day of family time. But that first year, he skipped the trip home to, for, to be with us at Christmas. I think that was agony for Nina because we only had two kids and we only had one of them with us. So we, over the next few months, we made much more explicit about what our expectation was from him. And he was not allowed to skip Christmas, even if he was going to make a pile of money staying in, in Boston. Of course, over the years, we had established a model for our children. We had no room to complain because we had shown both our son and our daughter our examples of prioritizing practical considerations of work and economics over what we often thought of as mere gestures. And having had that experience, it was much easier for us to support our daughter's decision when she announced that she would be flying home from Houston to Georgia for her college holidays after we had been separated for four months. We had moved from California to Georgia, and obviously that was much closer, a much shorter plane trip to get from Houston to Georgia as opposed to Houston to California. And therefore, it was not only practical, but it was a reasonable expectation that she did not need to be alone, and we really missed her. Our relationship with her, our mutual expectations, were somewhat different than they had been with our parents and even with her brother. At least one time in the ensuing years, this resulted in our daughter spending a night in the airport when the last connecting flight was canceled. But she loyally got on the first plane that came out the next day, the first connecting flight, and so we saw her and greeted her and embraced her and enjoyed her company for Thanksgiving dinner. It was important. Our mutual expectations have not changed much since we reestablished what they really were in the 20 years since that first Thanksgiving when we missed our son and we didn't miss our daughter. I believe that our daughter has traveled to us or we have traveled to her home each Thanksgiving since then. And this year, and her, our daughter and her considerate husband are dealing with our multiple mutual Thanksgiving travel expectations by inviting not only us who live with them, but also our son and his family to come to Fairfax again, to bring the four grandchildren together with not only their parents, but four of their grandparents. As Winston's parents, Julie and Alfred, have come once again for what amounts to a ritual of family togetherness. So it's not the turkey and pies, it turns out. It's not the meal at all. The Thanksgiving meal, the conversation before and after, the activities of preparation and the time of rest which follows, all of that is at its core only a metaphor for the connections we feel with those who matter most to us in life. It's really about sharing love, isn't it? 
As Unitarian Universalists, some of us may be skeptical about our theology, about our projections of what role God, if there is one, might play or might not play in our lives. Our prayers may be only meditations directed to ourselves and our community rather than to some transcendental being we can't define. But we have reasons to remind ourselves of our essential human nature, our need to reflect on the best parts of our lives together, our need to be connected to each other in a profound and essential way. It's not about turkey and pies, but to turkey and pies or ham and or tofurkey or whatever it is that you like to have as the central part of your shared meal together. Help us to get in the mood, to get motivated, to mark a particular moment in our annual journey around the sun, to share a social ritual that has impact in how we look at ourselves and how we regard each other. So in the coming days, perhaps we can enjoy whatever food is set before us or that we have to prepare. We can appreciate those who did prepare it and those who may have come a distance to share it. And we may invite people to whom we are not related, but to whom we feel a connection. To take the time to be together, to feel and express our gratitude for the life that we share. And as Kaki McTeague's reading expressed it so well, to take that moment to look into each other's eyes and to appreciate the gift that is the presence of another for whom we have value and who have value for us in their being, in their being part of our own identity. It is a blessing. It is a reason to be grateful, to be able to connect with those we love, those we care for, and who care for us. Blessed be. Amen.